0: Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Shitty job number one. So my parents have always had... Family businesses, mom and pop shops, uh, my mom uh, starting with the little burger shack in Burbank to selling that and buying a Pioneer Chicken. And I know you're like, what is a Pioneer Chicken? Um, it was like a KFC. It's like a rundown broke-ass KFC. <laughs> um, back in the 80s, they were big. And then they started going bankrupt. And then Popeye's Chicken bought them all. And so our Pioneer Chicken became a Popeye's Chicken. But anyway, um, the way that uh, Korean culture is, is you work for your family business, right? And so I was forced to work there. I know it sounds very dramatic and I'm playing the victim. But um, (laughs) in high school, I had to go to Popeye's Chicken. And just thinking about this makes me nauseous. And I would go there and, you know, I'm not really frying chicken, but I'm managing i'm in the office um and you know when you're in high school this is the last thing you want to do is work at your parents fast food restaurant (laughs) thank god it was in long beach so i wouldn't see friends or anything there but um yeah my brother and i took shifts and we took turns because if we weren't there then um people would be employees would steal and all that stuff and so like one of us had to be there now That being said, my mom spent 10 years of her life there (laughs) working, you know, 16 hour days or whatever. So, but I was a kid, I was 18, I was 17 and, um, did not want to be there. So that that was my first shitty job. I hated it so much that, um, so my brother would, was supposed to relieve me at 3 PM on a Sunday and, uh, I've been there since, you know, 9 AM and, um, We would get into a fist fight if he came in at 3.05. I mean, I was all packed and ready to go at uh, 2.45 and just outside waiting and waiting. And uh, when when he was late, I would just be, I would just sit there and just, just go crazy. Shitty job number two, working for my dad. So here's the thing, um, <laughs> my dad pulled phone cables for a living, he had a company where he would install the um, the jacks, all these things I'm talking about, if, especially if you're anyone younger than a millennial, you probably, probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but uh, when phones were used for phones, um, they were plugged into the wall and they were plugged into these little things called jacks. And so the jacks were behind the wall um, connected to cables that ran to the telephone closet. And so he would book a job where the entire um, floor of an office building needed new jacks or something added to the jack. And he was the guy that would pick up dudes from Home Depot and um, climb up the ceiling with these long poles and we would run Thousands of feet of ke- uh, telephone cable, and you're up in the attic. You're you've got the uh, um, what is that? Uh, what's it called that? Uh, just pink, sticky, weird chemical shit um, installation. I think it's called. Anyway, you got that all over you, and it's just physical labor. I used to hate working with my at least at popeyes i could just sit in the office although the office was really tiny i mean you couldn't even rub one out in the office it was so tiny it was like a phone booth but at least it had a chair i could you know eat something sit down and just kind of (laughs) doze off this was manual labor labor and um it was long hours it was you know it was like construction work you know if i get up at 5 a.m get into the van felt like i was getting deported early in the morning, go and, uh, against my will, you know, and then, um, work just physical labor. It was, it was the worst. I am grateful though, because my brother got the, the, the brunt of it. Um, I got to play, you know, or I was relieved from big jobs. Um, probably seven out of 10 jobs. My brother was on all 10 and, um, Man, I hated, I hated with a passion doing that. I would go just grumpy and pissy and defiant and, um, my dad always used to say, uh, (laughs) we came to America, uh, for you guys because of, you know, because of the free education. So you, you have to help us. My dad had the whole, like, you know, one for all, all for one. We do it for the family. Um, and he, I mean, wasn't aware he was doing this, but a lot of his anxiety and um, debt and, uh, you know, just financial shit that we shouldn't have known about at a young age was always out in the open in the family. And so um, it always put us into kind of worry, fight or flight, panic, um, you know, at a really young age, like at nine, ten. So by the time I was in high school, I, I didn't care anymore, um, but I still wanted to be a good member of our family, and so I, um, I went to work, and that was shitty job number two. Next shitty job is probably, um, or was, probably in my 30s, um, my marriage was falling apart. It was just on the verge of a divorce. I was a struggling screenwriter and, and not making any money, and so I felt like I had to go get a job. I was also in the process of becoming a therapist, and this Russian um, treatment center for the elderly hired me, and this was one of those jobs. I mean, It was shady. They were basically making money off old people and getting um, government funding, and they needed a therapist to sign off on all the paperwork. What's funny is I didn't speak Russian. And so what what could I possibly do there as far as counseling? Um, I was more like just a babysitter, I guess. And then I was signing off on the paperwork. I couldn't leave the job because I thought by, by working and bringing home a paycheck that I could save my marriage. And so I would get up. And you had to get all dressed up. You had to wear, you know, the the wrinkle-free pants. This is where my whole wrinkle, wrinkle-free pants that I talk about a lot comes from is um, this fucking job. Wearing the wrinkle-free pants, tucking my shirt in, long sleeve button down. And uh, I just felt like I was wearing a, a tuxedo every day. And I remember the job was so bad that I would uh, sign out because you had to sign out if you wanted to use the restroom. And I would sit in a bathroom stall until they caught me. Until on the, on the uh, intercom, <laughs> they said, you know, we're John Kim, we need you. And uh, I had, those are some of my bathroom moments where I sat in those stalls um, crying. I was at one of the, the lowest points of my life. I mean, I really had nothing. I hated my job. And it's one of those jobs where I just couldn't wait until lunch. Because at least lunch for an hour, I could just go somewhere and and eat something and just get out of of that environment. Okay, and then shitty job number four, don't worry, I'm not going to, this whole episode is not just about me telling you all the shitty jobs I had. Uh, Shitty job number four was working for a high-end treatment center, Uh, it was an eating disorder clinic, and... It felt like the Death death Star because the person that owned it ran it like an iron fist. She was Darth Vader and everyone was afraid of her. And so just like, I mean, it was a beautiful building because she was very wealthy. I think she had many um, high-end treatment centers. And of course, you know, insurance pays you just like ridiculous money per client. And so the place was beautiful, but um, again, it was shady and... um, I mean, shady in, in the fact that it was uh, um, overpriced and I don't feel like there were a lot of people working from passion. They were all pulling from fear and so generic um, intervention, uh, uh, you know, exercises and the filing cabinets and all that. And thank God I got fired from this job. Um, it actually paid very well, which – Made it hard to leave, but I was miserable there, and I got fired because I rolled up one day on my little Ducati motorcycle and a DVD player. And um, yes, yeah, so there were these things called DVDs back in the day, where you put them into this device and it played mute and it played mo- movies. And I wanted to run um, cinema therapy. I wanted to use movies as an intervention. Uh, movie clips as an intervention to create dialogue in group and um, that was out of the box and she wasn't cool with it and so i think she i think that was one of the reasons why i got fired Uh, no one no one told me why i got fired she also didn't fire me she had like her accountant come in and say um this is going to be your last day i was like uh okay so that was you know another shitty job now i'm saying this because i've had shitty jobs uh, many people think that I've, you know, just been working on my own and building a practice, um, and I've never had to, you know, punch a clock or grind, and and then it's not true. I, I have, uh, but because of those shitty jobs, I now have something to compare uh, my life to, my work to, and so after all of that, uh, and then I, um, after all that, I I, I start working in nonprofit. And while working in a nonprofit, um, I started a Tumblr and I started building a private practice and all of that. And so today, um, I mean, I can't complain today because I, uh, I work from home. I, I'm, I'm, all I need is basically my phone and I make my own hours, you know, I um, create content, I write books, I have my podcast. So I'm doing a lot of fun stuff and things that excite me. Also, it all lines up with uh, my story, my passion. Um, I have a sense of purpose, right? Things that I didn't have before and that's why those jobs were so shitty. They were just things to get up and and they were just things I had to do. They were not fueled by uh, any kind of sense of purpose or passion. So um, these days, uh, because of the way that I've built my um, life and career, um, what what I've noticed is the difference in the state of my body. And I, and I think this is what's important because um, I used to wake up uh, during those shitty jobs with dread, with uh, fear, with anger, frustration, a sense of hopelessness. And so if you have um, a, a shitty job, if you have a job where when it ends, you're dreading the next day, it's really... I would say almost impossible because our work life is such a huge part of our our life. You know, Um, I would say it's almost impossible to thrive. I mean, yes, you can meditate and, you know, have an awesome social life and, you know, do other things kind of like around your work that can act as um, Band-Aids, but Work is, I would say it's work and your intimate relationship is probably the biggest life pie pieces. And if one or both are spaces that are toxic or draining or constricting and making you feel um, what I used to feel in some of my jobs, uh, dread and stress and worry, panic, even if it's a subtle panic, it's impossible to thrive, you know? You need um, foundational soil to even start building that um, Maslow's Pyramid, the hierarchy. And I think part of the foundation is doing work that you love and doing it in a way that's honest to you. So um, I've also had jobs that weren't shitty on my way to, uh, um, becoming a therapist and even, um, after getting my, my license and, and just going out into the world and, um, you know, having a private practice. And I always thought that a private practice <clears throat> or what I wanted was, um, you know, an office and, uh, uh, uh bad art on the wall and that little waterfall and the silver balls. <laughs> and I just, you know, colorful socks and sit there with my latte and, talk about feelings and just see clients all day. I kind of like thought that was the dream when I started this. And um, I did some of that and it wasn't shitty, um, but it didn't line up with my truth. It didn't, it's something just felt kind of off. Something felt kind of gross. Um, it just, it felt like, uh, like like if you if you took an image on tracing paper and you matched it, like if you lay that tracing paper over another image and it's supposed to match, um, but it's like three millimeters off, right? So it kind of matches in some parts, but it, didn't, it doesn't in others. That's what it felt like. And so I stopped doing that. And a lot of people are in jobs where they're just um, doing it for whether it's money, security, um, and, and that 's okay because sometimes we have to right we have children to feed i 'm um, not saying to just quit your job, um, especially if it 's not um, especially if it 's not like bringing you misery that being said, sometimes <laughs> the jobs that don 't bring you misery but also don 't make you um, super super happy that don 't bring you uh A sense of purpose and meaning those are the more dangerous jobs because those jobs uh, those are the jobs that create lifers right where it's like it's not that bad but it's not really what you want to do so you're just kind of in it but you don't know if you should quit so then you're just in it forever a lot of people are like this with relationships right like it's not like oh my relationship isn't toxic there's nothing really wrong um but are you happy in your relationship not really it's just kind of there you know um I'd rather be in this place than be alone, right? That kind of thing. It's very lukewarm. Um, those are those situations can be more dangerous because we stay in them longer. Uh, if something is really bad and toxic, eventually we leave, right? There's more of an urgency. So my point is this. My point is this. One, your career, your work, your job, whatever you do, uh, it's a huge piece of self-betterment of, uh it's a huge contribution to whether you're going to thrive uh, uh whether you're going to thrive or not it's a, it's i mean it's either going to contribute to your uh growth evolution potential or it's going to um pull from that take away from that and so the answer isn't just to quit that's not what i'm saying but now more than ever today and i am proof of this there, there's so many ways that you can work and make money and make a living And at the same time, do something that lights you up, you know. Um, And I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. And this is why I don't recommend just quitting your job, especially if you have mouths to feed. But here's what I do think you should do if you're in this situation. I think you should take steps. I think you should take um, uh, uh, two hours a day, whether it's in the morning, you know, getting up earlier or at night, um, not once but as a lifestyle meaning every day and start building that bridge and and I don't know what that looks like for you maybe it's starting your own podcast maybe it's writing that book maybe it's um picking up uh, that guitar again you know um building a side business anything is possible today and there are so so many I don't even want to say there are so many because it's limitless. It's infinite. Um, At at the rate of technology and apps and how fast the world is changing and how we are now, you know, basically creating from home, like we're at that like, I think that beginning or actually, no, not even the beginning. I think we've already gone up. If you imagine a hockey stick and and, and, and I think we're at the – Now we're going upward and I think it's going to be exponential and the good news is I think there's just going to be more and more creative ways to um, live in a way that's honest to you, work in a way that's honest to you, design a life that works for you and creating that foundation so you can thrive, so you don't have to be um, miserable, you don't have to wake up dreading. You know, and that being said, I'm not like every day uh, skipping into my garage and, and like you know doing backflips as I make content um, and write books. Uh, yeah, of course there are days that are hard, but that's just that's just life, right? But overall, cumulatively, I'm in a much different. My body's in a much different state, meaning no more panic, no more dread. Um, I still work hard, but I work hard because I enjoy it, and I feel like. Um, I have a sense of purpose, and I'm very passionate about the work that I do. Uh, and I've never felt this way in my life. Um, and it was it, it was a slow burn, right? It took, I think, 12 years for me to kind of get where I am now. Uh, and, and I'm still swimming, and I'm still building, and I still want to do, you know, all these other things. But, um, yeah, it took about 12 years. And I had to build my bridge um, when I was in nonprofit. And I was supposed to be doing case notes. I was blogging. (laughs) I was creating um, content on on a platform and building an audience, you know. And I've been doing that every day since. I mean, on different platforms. But I've written, I don't know, 5,000 plus blogs and, you know, endless videos. I mean, I don't even see it like um, work. I see it as uh, me documenting my life. You know, and, and it's a life catalog eventually when I die that I will have. And so it's a way of life. Anyway, enough about me. If you're in a job that you hate, um, I hope that you are doing something knowing that it's uh, it's affecting your well-being. And also your well-being is affecting your relationships. So I hope you're doing something to create that bridge. To one day be able to leave that environment, that situation, wherever that is, and um, do something that feels good where you're not living in a subtle fight or flight and you're not going to sleep worried and and just dreading the next day it's the worst feeling I've been there, and uh I think it's I think it's one of the the biggest pieces of our lives that we need to work on to keep building and thriving and for us to, um, find joy, um, to connect to ourselves and to, uh, share our gifts and live a life that becomes greater than us. Thank you for listening to you all. Hey, if you have a passion for helping others and you want to create a more meaningful career or add to your current skill set, it's time to become a life coach with Lumia. When I became a life coach many years ago, there wasn't anything like this. So I developed this program alongside with Noel Cordo. Lumia Coach Training